Welcome to the Seneca Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs in China, coming to you from the pop-up Chinese studio here in Beijing. I'm Kaiser Guo, joined as usual by the man who put the style in hostile foreign forces, Mr. Jeremy Goldcorn. How are you, my brother? Good morning, Kaiser. I'm doing very well. How are you? Um, I'm well. I'm well. Good. It's an actual. It's a completely amazing day here in Beijing. You've got the bright cerulean azure skies and the wispy cirrus clouds and ample sunshine. Um, but but there is one thing that would disturb you, Jeremy. And that is that today we've got you know, you know the chestnut trees and that peculiar smell like alfalfa sprouts they give off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, you know yeah, the, the smell the I'm talking about. Spring semen smell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, well, I wasn't going to say I it. I that's what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's really what I was talking about. It was cold. You know, I I didn't mind that smell if it's a blue day in Beijing. I have yeah, to say, yeah, yeah, there are worse smells. Actually, there are you know 437 worse smells that one encounters daily <laughs> in Beijing. But hey, whatever. Uh, so also with me is David Moser, academic director of the CET program here in Beijing. David, as my dog has, as we have recently established, suffered almost. Every ailment of advancing age just a bit before I have. So most recently it's sciatica. Sciatica. Right. Sciatica, sciatica right. which yeah. is, it just fucking sucks. Doesn't I cannot it? believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you hear me groan. What is it exactly? Can you? Can you yeah, so it's basically like, a pinched it? nerve in your what lower, there's a pinched nerve in your lower spinal column basically that causes excruciating pain down one of your legs. It'll be your yeah. left leg or your right leg. Right. In my case, it was my left leg um, basically around my hip. Uh, and and just shooting pain. And fortunately, I'm I'm doing much better today. I went and, and got it X-rayed, and it turns out I have no real, I mean, no herniated disc, no slip discs, nothing like that. So I'm okay. I just have to you know, not slouch when I sit. Basically, that's right. what they told me. That's the wrong tone of voice. You'd be saying, "It's a shooting pain in my lower right. leg." <laughs> right. That's how I was talking yesterday. Right. But uh, we are trying to convince pop-up Chinese to buy yoga balls. In <laughs> Illegal chairs, but so far no luck. But I'll keep you in, informed about the next thing to come, Kaiser. Okay, you thank can... you. Yeah, your next ailment, please. Right. Do. Thank you. So it all started when a BuzzFeed editor lost his iPhone in an East Village bar in February of last year. It is now the Sino-American bromance of the century, and probably the most uplifting, silly, and altogether unlikely China story that I can remember: the saga of Matt Stepera and Li Hongjin, who is now famous the world over as Brother Orin. It's a story with something for everybody, almost tailor-made to our time, I think. That, that The fact that it happened to a BuzzFeed editor is almost enough to make one suspicious that it was like sort of made for the web. It's got Apple products. It's got, you know, the cloud. It's got global crime networks. It's got funny <laughs> web memes. It's got human flesh search. It's got a cross-cultural odd couple. It's got instant celebrity. It's got Ellen DeGeneres. It's got trips to Las Vegas with hookers and blow... No, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. Not, not quite that, but it ends with Ellen DeGeneres. But anyway, the whole time, everybody involved is an incredibly good sport about the absurd situation in which they find themselves. And uh, well, for me, as I think I said earlier on this on the show when we were talking about this, I am ready for the next dark chapter to unfold with betrayal and greed and power, <laughs> lust, revenge, addiction, and downfall. Anyway, today we are delighted to welcome Cecilia Miao, who is a native of Guangzhou, who, who studied at the University of Wisconsin at Madison, and now works here in Beijing at, at a it's a soft it's a, it's a company for teaching Chinese, right? Right. It so, was, yeah, so, it was so, working. A, a competitor to pop up Chinese. You went up. <laughs> you are absolutely welcome here. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, she works among among other things also as the agent to Brother Orange. We won't call you Agent Orange for obvious reasons. So. <laughs> Little Sister Orange. Little Sister maybe. Orange, yeah. Yeah, Sister Orange. You're actually from the same hometown or your family's from the same hometown as him. Yeah, yeah. The village my parents and I were born um, was is like uh, an hour away from the 
from his little restaurant. Oh my God! So, uh, mm -hmm. uh, so we'll, we'll we'll talk to you a little more about this. But you are also the creator of Channel C, which is a YouTube channel and a website that helps Chinese students studying in the U.S. to better understand America and helps. Americans to better understand the hundreds of thousands of Chinese students who are studying in the U.S. So it's great to have you on the show, Cecilia. Thanks for making the time. Thank you for having me. We are also delighted to have Matt Sheehan with us here in the studio. Matt is the China correspondent for the Huffington Post, and he's probably seething still with anger that it wasn't him that lost his cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we've given him and his work many a shout out here on Seneca, mainly for his excellent blog, which unfortunately is no longer writing, though he's writing for the HuffPo, An Optimist's Guide to China, uh, which if you haven't read it, is still full of great stories, uh, some excellent translations, very nice balanced writing on China. Welcome to Seneca, Matt. Great to have you here. Thanks. Happy to be here. Uh, so a guy loses his iPhone in a bar in New York, gets a new one, we start seeing weird photos of a Chinese man who's apparently very deeply into citrus, synced on his <laughs> iCloud account from the new owner of his old phone on the other side of the world. He writes a story about this on BuzzFeed, it gets translated into Chinese, Chinese internet users begin the obligatory hunt for this mm -hmm. mysterious man that they've dubbed in, in, inevitably brother something, so it was brother, geez, it's actually brother tangerine, let's let's be accurate. Jesus, yeah, 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 uh, Jesus is a tangerine. Or, or mandarin orange or something. Mandarin orange, right. <laughs> Jeremy... Have you understood why it is that the line between yin and yang somehow manages to, to thread oh. tangerine and orange? Uh, no, it's it's one of life's great mysteries. It is. Why. It is. Oh. One, of the right. the one, one is bai huo and one is shang huo. Right, right, right. right, right. Well, Chinese far. medicine uh, terms, right? Right. And actually, it threads its way strangely through the whole citrus family where that pomelos, for some reason, are chu huo. Yeah. Whereas, like, xiyo, for some reason, are shang I think, no, maybe not. Xiyo are also also chu huo. Anyway, th this is enough for me to th throw the whole system out. It's just ludicrous and silly. So they find him. Brother Orange reaches out via Weibo, right? Um, right. Yeah. And then the um, he, he actually invites Matt Stepera to visit China. Stepera writes all about his marvelous adventures in China. The two of them bond in that time-tested way of consuming lots of alcohol. And, <laughs> and I was under 10s and 20s of cameras. Yeah, yeah. Of... That's what I always say. It's mm -hmm. the best way to bring two people together is just like <laughs> paparazzi and, and, and baijiu. <laughs> Mud baths and... And kaka sashimi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Stepera achieves... I don't. I would have said minor celebrity, but that's actually kind of bigger than minor celebrity right now. Uh, and and there's just posters of him apparently all over the the Pearl River Delta, uh, you know, like basically pimping for different products. Uh, we can talk about that. Yeah. And then um, Stepera actually reciprocates the invite to Jizuka and its brother Orange and the Big Apple. After that, uh, he actually goes on Ellen. Parties it up in Las Vegas. I guess maybe I was exaggerating a little with the hookers and the blow, but they have a nice time. So, how did you get involved with Brother Orange? Yeah, so um, while Matt Stepera was visiting May Joe, um, I was um, one night I was having dinner with uh, my dad and his friends, and then we were talking about this story. And then uh, this friend happens to be a mutual friend between me and uh, uh, Brother Orange, and he knows that I speak uh, good English and also um, been to America. And he's like, "Oh, do you?" And also, I understand Hakka and uh, Hakka Mandarin Chinese as well. So he's like, "If you want to do translation for them, maybe." They'll need help, so he introduced me to Brother Orange. Is is he is he Kujare? Yeah, he's Kujare. Oh as wow! Well. So yeah. he's from Meijo. He's from that that community. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. 
Fascinating. See, this this is more to the to the conspiracy theory that the Kaja secretly run all things. Even even in entertainment. Yeah. Um, and and what do we know about this guy Lee Hong Jin other than he speaks very non-standard Mandarin? <laughs> like, what, how did he pronounce his name on Ellen? It's like Lee Feng. Lee Feng Jin. Lee Feng Jin. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. He's he's declared that he'd prefer to be known as Juzaga. He's when I when I interviewed him, when Celia brought us together and I talked to him, I asked him, What do you think of these two personas that you're inhabiting? Is one are you kind of playing at Brother Orange? He was like, No, I actually he I like the, I, I like the name a lot and I think now, you know, my original name it just it just can't compare. <laughs> Like you know, Dashan. I love that. I love that. That's, yeah, like Dasha, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So he, he completely inhabits the persona now of Jizuka. And so, what is the persona of Jizuka? Uh, from my observation and the time I've spent with him, I really think is a very simple, very innocent, and also just um, funny guy. He he likes to have fun, and and is very simple minded. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, he's that's he's, he's like about a bro, a bro in every sense of the word. I think he really. You know, he's a he's a bro, except born in, you know, <laughs> except like a fraternity time. bro. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Okay, so just party on. Man. <laughs> just, just, just. Yeah, I always thought this was this was the perfect Lao Wai for this to happen to because he was so wide eyed, young. He'd never didn't know much about China. He was in for adventure, and this Chinese guy was also the perfect. Of, yeah, it was kind of some very you know backwater place, and also had no. You know, he was on hard times, evidently, a little bit, and is in the mood for some life-changing thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And this is just so fortuitous, the two of them. That's why they were you know, hugging and bonding together, because they were both sort of saying, how did this happen? Yep. I was reading through uh, you know, Matt's blog account. I don't know how many times he wrote in capital letters, you know, I can't believe this is happening. Right, right. This is really happening <laughs> right. over and over again. Well, which is it's great. I mean, I think Matt, you're right. Matt Stapera is the perfect foreigner for, yeah. for to, I mean he embodies I mean I think first of all he's he's very uh, and is an attractive guy yeah. he's a very you know g- good looking guy he's a, a, incredibly articulate I was very impressed with you know all his public appearances just he's, he's very well spoken he's a smart guy uh, he's not annoyingly hipster uh, he's earnest. He's he's actually super earnest. I don't think that there was like no. an ironic or sort of uh, cynical not cynical, cynical bones right. in his body. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of beautiful. So do you think that this is part of the appeal of the whole story? Why why did people go crazy for this story? What are your theories? I I think people go crazy for this story just because it's it's 100% positive and fun. Um, nobody, uh, especially for the protagonists, so Brother Orange and Mad, none of them has any knowledge about each other's culture, country, and uh, and has no judgment when they are into this story. And then, and also, this story belongs to the internet. Uh, everybody contributed to the story. Yes. Everybody was the one who's like, okay, uh, Weibo or reposting um, or climbing over the VPN, uh, the wall to find the Twitter of the tweets of Matt Stapera. And so it's, it belongs to everybody. So I think these two elements made it really popular. I think it's also a great uh, example of the, the flip side of the human flesh search engine that's usually seeking out evil bad guys. Mm-hmm. And this was like a well-meaning, you know, a good use of, of that. And I think also there's a reason why when just somebody saw that story that he had posted, there was something mythic about it, I think, for the Chinese as well. Like, 
you know, because they're aware of this uh, black market and, you know, the sure. phones and everything, and just see this this link and say, this is a magical thing mm-hmm. that, that almost is, is come as a deus ex machina, you know, these these the cloud right. was sending the these messages. So it's these meant two, to be. These two people have to meet. And so they, they did the right thing. It's a beautiful story. It's Yuan Fart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, what do, what do you think is the appeal? I was going to say something similar about the Renososwa, like, you know, Weibo can be a really just a toxic environment. Yes. People are so cynical, so just shooting down everything and tearing down everything for a lot of the time. And for this to happen right around Chinese New Year and just have it to be so pure and happy, it really, it seems like a breath of fresh air from my perspective. Jeremy, what was the appeal um, of this? I did, I, I, yeah, I, you know, as the resident uh, cynic, maybe uh, <laughs> I shouldn't answer this question. <laughs> no, no, seriously. No, I'm, no, I'm curious, Jeremy. Cause the, I, mean, I mean, it's very cute. Uh, maybe I, I've been around you too long, but I, I was reading it the whole time, just sort of looking for a secret layer of mockery going on on one side or the other. Um, yeah. I was suspicious that nothing could be this, like, entirely sort of on the level, good nature. Sweet. I know. Right. And, I know. And, and so what did you discover, Jeremy? What are your suspicions of it? Come on, play your role. Oh, I, don't, I, I, I have no suspicions. I also, at, at some point, thought this has got to be a BuzzFeed um, uh, oh, setup. Promotional um, stunt. You know. Um, and perhaps part of me still harbors that suspicion. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I <laughs> it does think, seem to be genuine. If there's anyone here who would be capable of completely subverting the narrative, I think it would be you, Jeremy. You're yeah. the one who can write let's, that next let's, week. Let's call you Brother Persimmon or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's the, the the dominant fruit of Nashville, Tennessee? <laughs> well, I guess you know. Let's see what happens. What you know? What act two? Uh, how does Brother Orange try and you know? Yes, uh, sell out. <laughs> what happens to the story now? I mean, well, now they are both back to their own homes and uh, settle for settle down for a break and really think about what happened and what they want to do with this. Um, yeah, this is them just taking a break from all the craziness. It's gonna be. I mean, it'll be just a huge letdown now. I mean, are we going to 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 find Jessica swinging from the bow of a <laughs> of a, of a citrus? No, that's dark, man. That was really fucking dark. He'll yeah. he'll he'll take more selfies. I'm I, I'm very confident about that. And then also, um, like you mentioned, there were a ton of products that um, uh, Matt Stavara was pimping, but actually not because uh, I can explain. Uh, yeah, when they dude. were in Mayjo, um, none of that was really carefully planned. It, it, all they all uh, Brother Orange and his friends planned was for him to visit. Uh, certain places in Meijo and also um, his own hometown, and then all these products and 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 businesses they got very sneaky. They just came and uh, stuff a bottle of wine to Matt's hands and then asked him to, "Hey, would you like to take a picture with us?" And then that's what happened. So he was forced fed with lots of product endorsements. And he, he also wrote that in his articles, like I endorse this. I'm pretty sure I endorse right. that too. I so, was kind of drunk. But, yeah, so that's. Endorse. What happened? Yeah, but now they, I think they are actually going to think about if they would endorse some of them. For yeah. real. Yeah, for real. Like, for real. I have a question about the, what I thought were maybe some subtle homoerotic uh, aspects of this, because it seemed to me like some of the people online kind of wanted it to be more than just a bromance. They wanted it to be, there were these shots of them taken with the bridal veil and everything. And it just seemed to me like there was a little bit of feeling like, this is just too good. Can't they go all the way and, and be. Matt Sheehan, you're, you're working on some homoerotic fan fiction about, about, about. 
Are you? Um, I know you are. I mean, Matt Shapiro is gay. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah. Brother Orange is not. Right. So, <laughs> so I asked his know that he's gay. Yeah, I, I asked his or I asked Cecilia, and she asked his nephew. I didn't want to just throw it out there in right. case they didn't know, and that was going to be friction. But we asked his nephew, and his nephew was. I asked, you know, and he and he was like, yeah, really, you know, we thought we thought maybe he was gay, and then yeah, when they went to when they went to New York, I think Matt introduced his boyfriend to them. And uh, I th- yeah, I thought that was really cool that they're out there in you know rural Guangdong, and this young guy and middle-aged guy are both just like yeah, whatever. That's cool. That's you. See, Do you? This is Jeremy. This is what the American rural South can learn from the Chinese rural South. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Ellen DeGeneres appearance. Um, I have to say that I, she was an excellent choice for a show venue because she's like the one who is who's going to be okay with the earnest aspect of the whole thing and not mm-hmm. going to mock. And I mean, she didn't. I mean, she cracked a couple of jokes about you know the, the illegal. Oh, cell sorry, phones. Kaiser. Which which American talk show host is not earnest? Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> can you, no seriously, they're all terrible. They're yeah. most of them. I mean, they're, they're. I'm scared. I mean, I'd be really terrified of going on to almost any American talk show because, but but Ellen Ellen is is. Of all of them, is the most sort of friendly, and uh, I mean, my my sense is that you know, if it had been, well, I mean, of course, of course, none, these are all now. Now you've got Kimmel and Fallon, who are both pretty earnest and nice guys, right? Well, maybe it's, it's Jeremy's though. thinking of Oprah Winfrey. Or, is that what you're thinking of, Jeremy? No, yeah, maybe. I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't watch television. So uh, then you have no right to. So every shut time up. I see it, um, <laughs> the gym or something. It seems that everybody is very earnest. You know. Oh uh, no, that's just not true. <laughs> I mean, well, come on. Let me. You know, if you go on, if you went on Letterman, you could have expected to be just just Lots routed, right? just jokes, it really, yeah. yeah, just just have the piss taken out of you. Uh, but yeah, it was. I thought it was it was good. It was short, um, but um, she she sort of just let the whole feel good vibe of the thing just wash over everybody, and, and everyone just sort of you know felt good about it. And the two of them, I mean, I think it was it, it looked really kind of genuinely affectionate. You know, there was a lot, and um, you know, Matt had his arm around him the whole time and kept kind of touching him. And it was great. It was just it was. Uh, so really, there was nothing. In, has anyone kind of have found something objectionable in this story? Has anyone just the, the whole the way this whole thing is played out? I, I was sort of combing the web, expecting that there was somebody, some academic scholar, who was going to say that there was this sort of, you know, gentle mockery, this otherization, or I mean, they were going <laughs> to. I haven't found it yet. I, yeah, I don't think anybody's been critical of it, but uh, the Ellen appearance and another TV appearance by Brother Orange is one thing that. He's, a, he's very self-conscious about that. And when I asked him about the Ellen show, what he kept saying is, oh, like I couldn't communicate well with my translator because he's, you know, he's really launched from a very, like you said, a backwater place, speaks Mandarin with a very thick accent. And he's pretty self-conscious about the way that he appears in public. So with the Ellen show, he kept saying, oh, like, you know, we didn't communicate well with my translator. I couldn't, didn't really perform well. And the same thing with his appearance on Tian Tian Shang. Tian Xiang Xiang, yeah. mm-hmm. um, where he kept on sort of being worried that his accent, the way his the host treated his accent, was kind of a mockery yeah. that he wasn't representing well. Mm. Yeah, um, there are people on Weibo like commenting. Some some are very some take it seriously. Some are just joking. Oh, you really need to improve your Mandarin. Um, your Hakka Putonghua is uh, really not e- easy to understand. And then um, I I can tell Brother Orange was um, at 
a few times quite upset about uh, that, and also he only went to middle school.、Right. He's not a very well educated、um, man、uh, by any means. So,、um, so he is、uh, conscious of his of himself、right. uh, about like not being to speak as well as Matt compared to Matt Stapera, who is an editor, who's a writer, and his job is to be articulate. Um, so, so I think I think he、uh, a lot of people really、um, kind of overemphasize on the idea of like a standard、uh, Mandarin、uh, about how he's supposed to speak, but、um, and also he himself took it a little more seriously than I think he should. Actually, everybody loved the way he spoke. That Hakka Mandarin. It wasn't and, just that he was kind of clownish. I mean, this is、so、that、yeah. was the part of me that what I was looking for was a Chinese reaction that said, "Look." You know we're being laughed at here. Ultimately, this is just—I mean—they're just sort of laughing at the hick from the Chinese sticks here, and and ultimately this is this is not casting China in a good light. I mean, I think Brother Orange did a heroic job in just sort of being a good, a good sport, and,、mm-hmm. and but I I I, I kind of. Assume that there would be somebody who would、right. find some negativity. In, in yeah,、it. someone would be like, "Oh, this is not the Chinese we we kind of want to." This is、present. not what we want to project、yeah. to the world, right? This guy is、mm-hmm. yeah, he's sort of a buffoon, and he's、mm-hmm. he's semi literate, and、mm-hmm. he, you know, he he's he's got four children. What the hell? <laughs> 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 it's just a very common hot coffee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. More than one. So, what, what's he when you when you talked to him? What was he was he curious about America and what did he want to know from you about like because you were the interlocutor <laughs> in so many ways about America? What was he curious to know about what his experience would be in America?、Um, he actually he didn't ask too much too much because、uh, when the invitation from Ellen the Ellen show came, it was. Really, a rush to、um, get him ready for the visa application and interview. So we were actually planning half and half of the chance that we might not be able to go in the end because of the visa interview. And he had no record of visiting,、um, uh, going abroad or anything. So, so、uh, we didn't even think that much about what happens after he got his visa. Now he has a ten-year visa. <laughs> Now, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of opportunities, <laughs> a lot of business opportunities there. Matt, what about when you talked to him?、Um, did did he have any?、Um, I mean, was 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 he reflective at all about his American sojourn, or was he? Was- I'd say it was kind of standard. If you you know, if you talk to somebody from a third tier city or the countryside about America, what's it about? It's about food. It's about Las Vegas. You know, a couple of highlights like that. So food. You know, he's not down with Chipotle. No, apparently he, he did not like Chipotle. He loved. He loved、uh, Las Vegas. You know, he said that was like a dream for many years, and he had a chance to go, and so he gambled until I think he was up. He was up a hundred bucks by the end. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, the night of gambling,、yeah. and New York. You know, kind of bounced around from a bunch of.、Mm-hmm. He said the nine eleven memorial. He felt. He felt something、mm-hmm. at the nine、yeah. eleven memorial, but was he stage managed at all through any of this? Was did, did you feel like he was told this is would be inappropriate to say this would be appropriate to to express? No,、um, no. no, yeah. So、um, if you guys have、uh, seen the news,、um, Abe,、um, another employee from BuzzFeed who is a, a cameraman, he、uh-huh. followed、uh, both of them in Mayo and also in、uh, New like in America. Um, and documenting their trips. So when that documentary come out, you guys can tell their like instant reaction to things. And、um, like when Matt Stapero is visiting Mayo,、uh, Brother Orange and his friends planned their whole itinerary. And then when Brother Orange is、uh, was 
visiting New York, uh, America, uh, Matt basically planned everything besides, you know, just going to um, the Ellen show and also stopping by um, Las Vegas to see his idol, Britney Spears. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, both hosts did um, the planning work and took them um, different uh, places. I saw a YouTube video. Uh, I don't know where it was from, uh, but the two, but Brother Orange and his nephew or something eating string cheese for the first time. Right, right, right. right. I, thought, I thought, now what is this? I mean, who arranged that? I mean, that's that's a typical sort of arranged uh, that's, yeah. joke. Yeah, BuzzFeed has videos out along those lines of like uh, watch, mm-hmm. you know, blank do blank for, for the, the first, first time. time. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. So watch one. Chinese people eat like Americanized Chinese food for right. the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they just use that as a as part of that ongoing yeah. series. Right. That yeah. makes a little more sense. Yeah. yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. Well string cheese is great. They didn't think so. That's I really? grew up on that stuff. <laughs> I just I love Yeah, when I was in Wisconsin, um my uh, the first year the first summer I returned from Wisconsin I brought some uh, Cheese a, a variety of cheese products <laughs> and none of my family member appreciated it so that didn't surprise me at all that they did not like string cheese okay <laughs> i love i mean you guys have cheese curds there which are i mean i think they're that's just a it's a great food stuff and just a, yeah. you know something i found really one of the most touching things for me and i'm not sure why but when they were going to part you know uh from when matt was going to go back to beijing and then brother orange is Besides, a ticket, right? And that was so touching. Uh, you know, yeah. that that was said something. It didn't seem clingy to you. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed Cloying. like they didn't want it to end. The they just they Chinese girlfriend. Or... <laughs> I think I think it's very Chinese that you know you walk your guest out the whole way. It's right. kind of just out. It, you've been you come from such a long uh, distance. He wasn't that, out of the country yet. Yeah, you had to see him all the way. To, yeah, this is our base, and I want to send you all the way to. But he also had not been to Beijing yet either, right? Had brother. He'd, he'd, he'd been, been once before. He'd been once he before. Said, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. So I was really hoping that Jeremy, you would play this role, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the questions that I was hoping that would come come from you and your cynical side. But is it possible that Matt Stepera, an educate college educated, you know, uh, New York living intellectual editor at, at at a major well what's unfortunately now considered a major news outlet <laughs> uh, is it possible that he would like that he would like such a man i mean actually like him that he would feel real kind of you know kindred spirit beyond i mean that, that was free of any kind of condescension that was free of any just sort of you know patronizing just like i'm going to do this for the show i mean is it really possible that that would would be like i i look back through my life and i mean do i have friends who only graduate i do actually some of the rock musicians i hang out with only graduated from junior high and are barely literate but but you know they, they make so up you've answered your own question yeah well no jeremy you're supposed to do this here you, you... I, I mean I, yeah i you know you I, I don't think that's really a question i would ask i mean yeah. I, i'm somebody who's so ruthless um and have um you know friends of such different backgrounds i don't that doesn't make any sense to me i mean people make friends through circumstances more than anything else um, and that does often tend to be the people that you grow up with who are similar to you. But I mean, it can be any kind of circumstance. And this seems, you know, like one. I mean, my cynical thoughts definitely tend towards other directions. Like, is BuzzFeed really behind this? <laughs> you know, how are they going to sell out? What's step two, which I've already asked. But uh, I mean, I don't see why one should doubt the uh, uh, certainly watching uh, um, uh, the uh, Ellen DeGeneres performance uh, from Matt's side, you can see some genuine affection there. Yeah, yeah. 
It sure looks to be anyway. <laughs> well, well, Kaiser, I see this among my students. I teach American college students, and I see them. They have roommates. They have Chinese roommates. <coughs> and I see a similar kind of thing because there's a language problem. They can't really, you know, communicate at the deepest level. But they find a way that they they have. They find a common way right, but, that's I mean, based but upon. They're all educated people. They're all. That's true. They're from a I, more similar elites. background. I just yeah. think like growing out is a universal phenomenon. I think that uh, <laughs> growing out, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, like a Dongbei, a Dongbei Gummer and like a, you know, Madison, you know, frat bro. I think they, it might not be for life. It might not be, you know, touching on the deepest part. (laughs) Might not be touching on the deepest part of their soul. But, you know, you can get together. You can have a good time. I think that that still counts. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Broing out, <laughs> David. You you mentioned um, you know Chinese roommates and their are uh, Chinese and, and their American roommates. That's a that's a good segue into talking about the work that Cecilia has been mm-hmm. doing. I mentioned Channel C on YouTube. Um, tell us about what that is and, and the idea behind you know thinking that a resource like this needs to exist and, and maybe talk about some of your own experiences. I'm I'm sure that some of this was mm-hmm. was was. Uh, grew out of your own difficulties, maybe, or, or some, watching some of your friends and the difficulties they encountered integrating into American college life. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Channel C, as uh, um, Kaiser has mentioned, is a YouTube channel. Uh, we, I started that with two other friends in while we were in Wisconsin-Madison, and um, two years, so 2013, and around this time. And then the um, first, we were um, well, actually, it all started when we were attending a conference about China and. In, uh, on our campus, we assumed that a lot of people would be interested because it's like, and um, it's a conference that about uh, it's about um, how the university is doing education programs, um, also um, uh, for also a lot of other programs for the state with China. So mm-hmm. it's basically a very um, uh, high level kind of a conference. And then we kind of, I now I think it was a naive thought to expect that a lot of students and a lot of um, American friends would turn out to... Maybe um, before the Scott Walker administration. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So so we went and we found there were only, you know, a few Chinese uh, students and then uh, plenty of them were just faculty members um, related to the program. And then um, we were kind of disappointed to see that this giant university with like 40,000 undergrad students and also another... Um, a lot of uh, graduate, PhD, a lot of um, Chinese faculty, a lot of Chinese students weren't involved in this conference about Wisconsin and China. So we were we we're kind of disappointed. And then we also relate to our own experience being kind of this uh, little uh, group in the uh, in the camp in the school is not really interacting with other groups in um, our university. So we were thinking about doing something and uh, we, we didn't want to start another Chinese student organization, which there are a lot on a lot. Mo- most of the major American uh, universities right now, yeah, there's plenty yeah. of Chinese student organizations, to be honest. And then uh, we think that was enough. And then so we started doing videos and it turned out to be now we have about 10,000 subscribers. Yeah. It's channel. huge. It's huge. So I, I saw one of them mm-hmm. um, that has your friend. What's her name? Muga or something. Mm-hmm. Muga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Muga. Um, tell us about that one. I mean, that's the, probably the one that was. Well, it was written about, right. of, of course, in the Wall Street Journal, uh, yeah. which is a great piece, by the way. Yeah. Thank Congratulations you. Congratulations for that. Yeah. So um, the the last video we put Deborah out. Deborah Bruno, right? She was. Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. By Debbie. Uh, the last uh, video we put out was um, My Foreign Roommate, yeah. Mugu and Catherine. Um, it's a short 11 minute video about 
a girl called Mu Ge from、uh, Shenzhen, China, and then another girl, Catherine, born and raised in、uh, Wisconsin, moving into an、uh, apartment together for their first year of、uh, university, and then they.、Um, They encounter some small frictions from their cultural differences, but in the end, they bond together.、Um, Over boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's it has to have a heavy ending. <laughs> I wrote the story. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. So I mean, some of the things you know, like like hey, you know, we have Muga、mm-hmm. hanging up her her clothes to dry inside the, the, the living room, right? Right,、yep. the living room and things like that. What are some of the other kinds of of of, of sort of Things that that would strike a Chinese person is completely commonplace that that you just don't do in America.、Uh, what what are some of the other points of friction in daily life that you you would you would sort of warn people about?、Um, I would. I mean, I still remember one of the first really huge shock to me was seeing my roommate putting crackers in her soup. I. <laughs> It just shocking. It, it now it's like okay, that's how that's we, how you, that's how they you, roll. Yeah, <laughs> but at that time, from like from Guangzhou, where people are so religious about the art of making broth. I mean, that's really broth, not like the milky, creamy soup、um, right. in America.、Um, it's got to be clear. Yeah, it's, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah、like、it got you got to cook it for four or five hours at least, or something like that. And then I saw her putting crackers in the soup. I just did not get it. I can see why a Cantonese person would be completely offended, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, like、yeah. up in my part of the of China, they don't care. This <laughs> is like throw a bunch of shit in a pot with some water and just boil the shit out of it. Like, right? Yeah, that was my part of China that took、right. it too seriously. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you mentioned food. Right, no, yeah, that's, that's always、food. a big thing. That's、yeah. always the big thing. Yeah. yeah. Whenever my wife is in the U.S. and meets with her friends there, you know, the first thing is, you know, hey, hi, Trisha, man. <laughs> it's like you know, right? Yeah, that's that's the other thing. Also, Brother Orange mentioned this while he was in New York. He's like, oh, Americans really eat so fast. They. All they all they did was to grab a sandwich, of grab a, a burger, and then they finish their lunch. They finish their dinner. They don't spend that much time preparing food and everything. He actually told me that this was、uh, a cultural difference. He is, he discovered, yeah, yeah. and、uh, he's a restaurant owner. And he and in 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 Guangzhou especially, we take food、uh, and food preparation very very seriously. We we spend hours and hours. I mean, maybe. I think other Chinese are are the same as well, but Cantonese people are also especially proud of being the food capital of China all the time. Deservedly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in our culture, we spend all we always spend hours preparing and then discussing. Okay, what's the next meal?、Um, <laughs> right. And then, and then,、uh, Brother Orange has discovered that oh, Americans just don't really take that so seriously. They just eat it in ten minutes and they go to work. Cecilia, have you been watching、um, the sitcom Fresh Off the Boat? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I watched that. We, I don't think we've actually talked about this on this show before. We did. We mentioned、uh, it. We, we we did mention it, but yeah.、Um, do you feel like、um, they were accurate in identifying some of the, the the points of sort of cultural friction in 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 immigrant families or in you know students or? I, I do you think they were pretty good about this? Um, I think it's、um, it's a different group of Chinese people、sure. that was in the show, and、um, that might be、uh, more accurate for、um, new Chinese. I mean, immigrant Chinese who are here,、uh, who go to America to as work adults, or,、yeah. uh, or as adults.、Um, and then, but for Chinese young Chinese students,、uh, 
one major difference I um, real came to my realization when I was in Wisconsin was it's not so much about cultural difference. It's more about urban and rural difference. Ah, oh, I, I realized that because oh, Wisconsin's so rural. Right? Yeah, a lot of uh, state universities are in little college towns right. that are in uh, the Midwest or um, just not in not every college is in New York and LA or San Francisco. So so when these when Chinese students like my peers, we went to somewhere like Madison, somewhere like Ohio. We discovered that oh my God, America is not what I imagined it it's, to it's be. It's not all New York or L- LA or yeah, Chicago. Right, right. Yeah. So um, and Brother Orange also said that um, New York isn't that great. I mean, it's just high rises. We have that in Beijing and Guangzhou as well. Yeah. Yeah, so it was uh, it was this urban and rural exp- uh, difference that I discovered to be wow. a major major difference I, I instead of that, cultural. That wouldn't have occurred to me. That's that's yeah. a real insight. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I've had people uh, again go back to my students who come here in the opposite direction. For them, very often the culture shock is is not Chinese culture; it's urban versus rural culture. They've come from some small town in Kansas or something, and they say, "I just can't stand so many people on the subway." It's it's a shock, uh, you know. Jeremy Wufei grew up in in the the burbs of Beijing, and she went to the states when she not was not in the burbs. She, she grew up in Sichuan. Oh, okay, I thought. Right that, of, okay, I, I thought that she was for, for some reason. Okay, so her parents don't live there now. I mean, they live out in in. In, in the yeah, birds. they retired. Okay, okay. So she grew up in uh, in Sichuan, but so you know, again, so big city girl. But she she went to Oakland. Is that right? Was that where she, yeah, she started well, she off? Yeah, she went to Texas, and then she ended up in Oakland at Mills College. Right, Mills, um, great school, very close to where I went. So to you know, that's Oakland is pretty 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 urban. Right, um, right, right, right. But, and um, it's a good place. I mean, Wolfe is kind of you know a bit of a freak. So Oakland yeah, she is, is full freak. of freaks. Yeah. Uh, so. She fit right in. Yeah, you know, the first time that I met her, we we discovered that we had friends in common in Oakland, a, a band of true freaks. They were a, a band called Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum uh, that she was really good friends with. Uh, Carla, who is the violinist of that band and, and, and vocalist. And, and there's no freakier people on <laughs> earth. I was like, oh, I know a little yeah. bit about you now. You are a freak. You're, yeah. you're appropriate. Yeah, I, mean, I, I understand this relationship with so. you and Jeremy now. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think you can really um, say much about the Chinese experience from Faye's experience. In <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, would, I would say that's probably true. But um, I, I, when I was, I mean, it was years ago, of course, but I, I knew quite a number of, of, of Chinese students. In fact, you know, when I was uh, in the in you know, my, my sophomore year, I moved out of the dorms and I lived in an apartment compound and I shared uh, an apartment with a, a visiting scholar from Shanghai. And uh, it was even sort of, you know, I, I, I kind of felt a, a little bit of ownership of, you know, because I, I'm sort of responsible for helping you acclimate to America. But he just, he was just, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't do the food. He would just come home and instantly change into his pajamas and you would never see him in anything but his pajamas. Uh, and we, we actually started calling him PJ. That was his <laughs> name for him. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was uh, but uh, you know he he had a great difficulty, I think, in in dealing. I mean, he was he was just he never made friends. Um, what is it changing now? I mean, I I, I feel like um, maybe there was like a golden moment where there were a lot of Chinese students, but not so many that they could only hang out with other Chinese students. But I feel like most Chinese students go to America now and only hang out with other Chinese students. Yeah, I think uh, there are quite a few reasons that would uh, lead to that, um, and one of them is definitely the number of Chinese students on 
that campus, if they are enough, that the number is good, uh, big enough, um, the students can completely just surround themselves with um, their own um, friends from China, and then they. And especially these friends, they would not judge you by your look, your accent, your the um your proficiency, English proficiency, and also the way you behave. So, um, while on the other hand, you might not find yourself very welcome or popular among the other American kids, especially these Chinese kids from the um the Chinese kids from the middle upper class family background uh-huh. they are supposed to be the popular and they were they used to be the popular kids they were the cool kids in their in their school and all of a sudden when they move to the united states they are not the cool kids they're actually the most uncool kid right, right. on campus so a lot of people cannot take can't take that well and i can really understand um why uh but for me i believed in um trying as hard as you can to um to change the, uh, to to kind of reach out, but a lot of students, a lot of my friends, um, couldn't take that well. And and on the other, so on the other hand, your friends were welcoming. Your friends all, all they would never judge you. And then um, you can just surround yourself in a completely Chinese lifestyle on campus. Matt, when you were an undergraduate at Stanford, um, you'd already started learning Chinese, right? Um, I took two quarters when I was a senior. Okay, so okay. I just got a taste during during that time, though. You know, surely you you know. Uh, you, you encountered a lot of other Chinese students, or not other Chinese, of, of, you encountered a lot of Chinese students at Stanford. Um, did these subjects come up? Did you, you know, talk about the, the difficulties that they had in integrating? I think I didn't, back then I did not really take seriously this idea of like a cultural chasm. I was kind of in the, what I think is the pretty mainstream camp of like, well, like everybody really wants to be like an American, right? You know, like you're all coming here to, you know, like, you know, to get, like us, so yeah, I mean, the, the one person I came somewhat close with or friendly with was an official from the uh, National Development and Reform Commission. (laughs) Very nice guy. But I think, uh, I don't know, I think our default perception as Americans is like, you you all really like want a taste of what we got, right? So, you know, kind of get on board or like deal with it. I think that's, I really like Channel C and that's one of the reasons I like it is I feel like it's really on the front lines of what I think is the actual meaningful China-US relations right now. I mean, Right. Just these couple of days, we're talking about South China Sea, Google, you know, Xi Jinping and Obama. Do they have chemistry? But just in terms of sheer numbers, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of Chinese people at American universities. Um, I spent a long time in California waiting for a visa to come back here. And if you look at what's going on, like a local level in terms of China U.S. relations, San Francisco, China relations, California, China relations, I think that's actually with stuff like South China Sea, I just have a very hard time seeing like where does the rubber hit the road. Uh But when you look at California, China stuff, I mean, Chinese money is funding all of the biggest developments in the Bay Area. Chinese students are changing the way like the University of California system you know, does its budgeting and everything, home prices, maternity tourism, investment. I, I really am a believer that that is where actual, where China-U.S. relations is actually happening. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's that's very insightful. So basically it's California, it's Cecilia Miao, and its brother, Orange. And, it's, yeah, it's, and that's, that's no, seriously, I come out of today, I come out of today just feeling a lot more optimistic. And, and, uh, that's, that's, that's great. Um, that's great. Uh, let's, let's, let's move on now to recommendations. Um, Jeremy, what do you have for us this week for recommendations? 
Uh, I actually, this week, would like to ask for recommendations rather than give one. Um, it's a problem I first noticed in China with small children, and I'm having a, a, a much more difficulty here in the United States, which is finding good uh, books to read small children, ah. uh, good Chinese books. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the better ones seem to be translations. Uh, a lot of the books published in the mainland appear d designed to, you know, bore the hell out of little children. Right. Um, there's a lot of very boring stories about little Ming in the Forbidden City that uh, uh, if anyone has any good suggestions for children's books, you know, I'm talking about uh, small babies to toddlers uh, in Chinese language, I would very much like to hear from yeah, them. We'll put the call Either out. in the no. comments page on uh, our Facebook the podcast, page or, or you could email me, jeremy at goldcorn.net. Thank you. So, sorry, no recommendation. No, no, that's, that's, that's a, a good, good question. Um, and I'm, I'm actually scratching my head and trying to think of what we read in Chinese to the kids when, when they were little. And I, I don't remember. Nothing sticks, which suggests to me that nothing was all that good. Whereas, <laughs> I, I mean, there were, you know, a million different you know, English, English books. books. I mean, all the Seuss, of course, and then Your Good Night Moon and all that. Um, and, yeah. David, do you remember? I mean, did you did you guys? In Chinese? No. Cecilia, do you remember any classics from your early childhood? That... I, I was a terrible student. Okay. I remember <laughs> classics. <laughs> and, Matt, this is still, you know, not, not quite. You're not there yet, right? Yeah, I'm not yeah. giving birth to Chinese babies. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I would almost say, would almost say there weren't that many uh, decades ago. There wasn't a market. There wasn't a, people right. didn't have money to buy books right. for right. children. I feel like it's you just jump straight to Confucius. <laughs> no, no, I mean that's the first thing I can remember. Well, it's, it's, like you know, I mean, and then it's sort of a bit like that. Um, you know, right. uh, like a lot about the Chinese education system, even the early education materials seemed designed to basically uh, destroy any interest or creativity in little children. That's the problem. Well, they, should, well, they take that book called Go the Fuck to Sleep and translate it into Chinese. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> Go the Fuck to Sleep. You can download the audio book, which is actually... Um, no, seriously. <laughs> that sounds shocking. <laughs> it's, it's, Cecilia it's, here is, is aghast. She right. cannot believe what we're yeah, talking no, about. She's wide eyed. And yeah. like, it's called Go to Fuck the Sleep. It's, it's very funny. Um, is it Samuel Jackson, the audio yeah, book? Samuel L. Jackson. Like yeah, that, right? Samuel L. Jackson yeah. reads the audio book. Right. Yeah, it's no, that's a great free. Book. It's actually free on Audible, so I, I highly recommend <laughs> that you, you download it. It's pretty funny. Although I have to say, his reading of it wasn't particularly good. He didn't, you know, the the rhyme scan. He didn't quite get all the time. There was, uh, you know, the meter. He didn't nail that. He, he kind of just tossed it off, sort of trading on just his his the quality of his voice rather than the actual, you know, performance. Of, he's uh, better. He's better reading Pulp Fiction. Yeah. That's his thing. Yeah. Okay, uh, David, you're out. You're next. What do you have for yeah, us? Yeah, I can't. Just... Oh, my iPhone's been stolen. Don't <laughs> 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 <Does>, yeah. <laughs> Um, I was in a dinosaur mood. Just, you know, I've been doing evolution a lot lately and everything. I discover Liaoning province is, is like a haven for yes. fossil hunters. Yes. It's amazing. And and Liaoning it's both, incredible. Right? And they've got, uh, it is at the sort of the source, because evidently they call it the a sort of fossil Pompeii or Ves Vesuvius or something, because there was it's a volcano-rich re region. And so a lot of fa fossils died and were covered in a in a layer of ash that preserved the the, the soft tissue even. So it's one of the areas where they're finding these uh, feathered dinosaurs. Right. It's they're first getting the information about feathered dinosaurs. And there's there's even a there's a dinosaur called 
Confucius, Confu, what is it? Confuci, Confucianus. It's not Confuciora. It's like a like dinosaurus or something. Mm-hmm. But it's it's named after Confucius, and it's a it's not a feathered dinosaur. It's actually one of the first birds. And this is the this is the Cretaceous period. It's like 110 million, 150, 60 million years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's and there's uh I don't have a particular source for this. I was looking at something called www.fossilmuseum.net and then fossil sites But it doesn't matter. Just get on Google and and, and Google fossils downing uh, feathered dinosaurs or something like that, and you get just a plethora of these beautiful images of these perfectly preserved fossils, early birds and feathered dinosaurs. It's unbelievable, just fantastic. China is a great place for yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I, I think um, w- I had this book that speaking of this, the bridging Jeremy's and your. Uh, we had this uh, a book. It's called Dinosaurs A to Z that I read to my my son especially. That's a great book. Deeply, I I remember that from second grade. Right, right. So A is for and then like B was for baryonyx and C was for coelophysis and you get the Y. I guess they had to reach, you know. So it's Yingshanosaurus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, there's a little Leonin connection. Oh, oh. By the way, I forgot to mention, and with paleontology with Chinese characteristics. There's a huge black market in fossils here <laughs> because oh, the farmers God. realize that these fossils are make money. So they're like they're digging in the same area. And mm-hmm. if they find a fossil, instead of turning it into the authorities, <laughs> they'll put it out on the black market. And, and there's uh, a lot of fake fossils. Yeah. So I thought, oh, my God, it, it, even even <laughs> this is not immune from Chinese <laughs> Daoban, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've seen people just like on a little. Uh, they have a little shelter, like yeah, the, selling fossils, s- right? selling fake foss, fake bones, and and oh, also other antiques uh, right, in, right. on streets. Yeah. Sad. Cecilia, you're up. What do you have for us? Um, I want to recommend a WeChat uh, pop public or official account uh that's called shameless china have you guys <laughs> no uh, i don't no, know this one no? shameless china very okay funny. it's a very very funny um account started by someone we don't know who they've never declared who they are um the made up of the makeup of the team like if they're foreigners or chinese or they're chinese americans but they put out contents that's uh mainly about expats in china so like uh, seven types of expats you see in china or um the five types of chinese girls you see <laughs> on tinder or something like it's pop culture and then extremely funny and uh and they are really shameless as well so oh wow okay <laughs> i actually never follow public accounts on Weixin, but I should if, if I do it. This is that. a funny one. It, the, it's how, funny. how to pretend to be an ABC C. or some title like that is very. Yeah. Funny. Am I doing a good job? <laughs> <laughs> Ninety-nine out of a hundred. Oh, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> wow, pretty good. Yeah, that's that's not bad. Wow. Okay, so shameless China is it's just shameless China. You just look, yeah. Okay, it's shameless add China. Add them right now. Yeah. Um, basically, WeChat accounts here are like Facebook pages. Right. You, yeah. Right, right. You just you subscribe. Them, right. Yeah. Mm. Matt, what do you have for us? Um, I'd say we have a good diversity of things so far, so I'll continue. I want to recommend a, a DIY mixed drink, which is a mix of um, Baijiu and this thing called C100. Oh, C-Bai. I know C100. I, I it, yeah, it's, it's one of the best juices. Yeah. It's, it's an excellent juice, and I feel like a lot of times we're forced to choose between like highly overpriced bar drinks at Sanlitun and like actual just straight Baijiu, which most foreigners can't handle. But I think 
that if you basically the idea is you take the C100, you you drink it down to about the label, and then you fill it back up with like a Xiaoping Xiaoping Arguetal, yeah. And it's it, like I, I really I think Baijiu has like a little bit of a fruity aftertaste that turns yeah. people away, but if you co-opt that fruity aftertaste uh, with the fruity drink. It's we're getting to summer and this is like my summer go-to and I let's 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 oh, do that let's try, let's try that tonight yeah. I mean we got a little shot my boo right away I read outside so the, the, so the antioxidants sort of give the you a boost and then the bijo kills every brain cell yeah. in your <laughs> God you guys are having all these fun recommendations I'm gonna go all nerdy on you now God damn it okay I I should have come up with something better but um you know sciatica cures right, <laughs> right. exactly sciatica cures right. <laughs> Actually, I'm doing okay. I have not yelped in pain once no. this whole episode, which is pretty good. So I'm going to recommend um, a book that I, I, I... Okay, so, you know, you guys know that, like, late at night, I am to be found, like, lurking on Quora and, like, answering obscure questions, you know, what caused the, the collapse of the Tong Dynasty or whatever, you know. Uh, not the band. I, I've answered that one too many times. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I've... I've um, you know, I, I fortunately, right behind me, I have this gigantic bookshelves where I, I've been basically, you know, carrying my books around with me from college forever and, and unfortunately i have a lot of really really good china books and one that i reached for not long ago to sort of refresh myself on the, the concept of the high energy equilibrium trap and to, to you know to, talking about like a transfer of of, of technology uh and, and and how that affected the, and how it, it it made the song dynasty militarily weak um you know because of the 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 Qidan and and, and then you learned a lot of their their skills in in metalworking and anyway uh it's it's a great book it's called the pattern of the chinese past by the scholar mark elvin uh it's it's from a sort of vanished genre of kind of more generalist china china histories just um that were very very scholarly, but took on just this great range of topics across you know millennia. Um, highly recommend it. I, I wish there were more books that were sort of still written in this genre. I mean, you know, macro historical books rather than just the, the, the micros are great. I mean, I, I love you know your Philip Kuhn or your your, but um, yeah, the the pattern of the Chinese past by Mark Elvin. I, I think uh, the, he's got a lot of fans um, in 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 the sinological circles that I. So, hey, Matt, great to have you in, Matt, finally. And we'll, so happy to be here. We'll see you again soon. Cecilia, what a pleasure. What a, Thank you so much. Yeah, you were great. We'll see you again soon, I'm sure, too. Uh, and David, as always. Yep. And Groovy. Groovy. <laughs> and, and Mr. Goldcorn. All right, glad that you'd be here with us. M- Mr. Quarrel, thank you for having me <laughs> long distance once again. Okay, man. Uh, so, folks, we will see you again next week on the Seneca Podcast. And until then, take care.